Uh, you may not be able to tell uh, from the surface uh, because I seem like a relatively confident and gregarious young man, uh, but I'm a warrior. I worry about things. Um, I worry about money stuff. I worry about having enough to uh, kind of pay bills and make ends meet. I worry that it feels like a dollar doesn't go as far as it used to, uh, that, that what used to uh, uh, buy so much and provide so much now doesn't buy or provide as much anymore. I worry about business stuff. Like I mentioned, um, I'm a gospel ninja. I travel for a living, and, and therefore, uh, even though I try to maintain a, a healthy work life and travel balance, it does take me away from my family um, many weekends, and I worry about business and family stuff. Um, I worry about my wife. I worry about my kids. Uh, I worry about finding myself in a situation down the track where I'm talking to a couple of kids and apologizing to them for not being around enough when they were growing up. I worry about my children. I've got a 12-year-old girl and a 10-year-old boy, and they're growing up way too quick. If anyone here this, this morning has developed a potion to keep your little children little forever, please come and see me because I will give you everything that I have to keep my little kids small forever, but they're growing up way too fast. Uh, even this weekend, um, this last night at Bayside was the first night my little daughter Caitlin didn't come with me to a Bayside service that, that, I've, been, that I've been speaking at because uh, my daughter is a high schooler now and she's away on her first ever youth camp this weekend. And, and my little girl is growing up way too quick. It feels like she's going from 12 to 22 way too fast. And I worry about that day that my little girl uh, brings a young man home. I worry for that young man. <laughs> but all seriousness, I worry about the world that my children are growing up into. I worry about safety. I worry about security. I worry about the fact that in the old days, you can go along to a football match and not even think about anything negative or bad happening. But nowadays, you always just kind of just look around a little bit more. I worry about the world that we live in. I, I, I worry about... Uh, inequality and, 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 and our inability to deal with some of the greatest social challenges that are facing humanity, maybe in the history of the earth, and, and I worry about that kind of stuff. What do you worry about? Do you worry about money things? Do you worry about making ends meet when it feels like the, you know, the ends are running away from one another? Are you worried about having enough money for retirement? And there's so much fear and scaremongering about what's going to be required to basically survive, you know, in your, in, in your latter years. And now you're worried that you haven't done enough early enough. Are you worried about employment stuff, job stuff? It felt like a couple of years ago when you did a job, it kind of was just always there for you. But nowadays, every single year, you've got to hold your breath and hope that that job will be there for you again next year. Do you worry about job stuff? Do you worry about relationship stuff? Maybe you might be single here this morning and you're kind of wondering, you know, is there really someone out there for me? You know, I've heard all the sermons, I've sat through all the talks, I've read all the books about, you know, doing everything right by the book as you wait for Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright to come along and you're doing everything right in the meantime. Come on, young ladies, you're here and you're keeping yourself pure and holy and kind of dating Jesus in the meantime and kind of you're doing everything right, but you find yourself sometimes on a Saturday night wondering, hey, where is Mr. Wright? Has that fish kind of slipped the net and... 
Right now, you're worried that you're, not, you're never going to find Mr. Right. In fact, right now, you'd settle for Mr. Close Enough, and, and you're worried if this singleness thing is going to go on all the days of your life. Come on, there are some married people here in this room who wish they were single again, and <laughs> you kind of... And we laugh right now, but I know that there are marriages under strain, there are marriages under stress, and there are some husbands and wives kind of worried about their marriage right now and the trajectory of it. I know there are some mums and dads here in this room who, like me, are worried for their kids. Last night, I talked to a, a couple who were so worried for their, for their teenage, now young adult children who have walked away from God. And they know that God loves them and God is keeping them and that, that this is par for the course for many people's journeys, but they still worry so deeply that their children will never, ever return to the God of this universe who loves them. And they're so worried about it. There are some people here who are worried they'll never have kids. There are so many things in our lives, in our journeys that cause us worry. How about even at a, at a national level, at a federal level? This time next week, we're going to know, you know who our next prime minister is. Who, who is the individual who's going to lead this nation for the next three, until they get knifed by their own political party and, and, and like kind of, you know, we're worried about, you know, the nation's future in the light of whoever basically gets the steering wheel for the next couple of years. Unfortunately, in this day and age, it feels like political campaigning is primarily a work of trying to create as much fear and worry as possible and suggesting that you're the right party to steer us through that fear. A risk to this, a threat to that, a cutback on this, a privatization of that. It feels like everybody is just trying to create as much worry and fear in your heart so that you will put your hope and your trust in them. The problem is the sum result is just a whole bunch of fearful and worried Australians scared of their future. Maybe that kind of stuff worries you. Maybe global stuff worries you. You know, terrorism, security. Maybe the Brexit deal has affected your future. There are so many things in this world. There are so many things pertaining to life that cause worry in our heads and worry in our hearts. So if you find yourself here this morning as someone like me who worries about things, come and smile, you're not alone, because I would suggest to you that worry is a human condition, come on, that we all share. In a sense, we're all knit together by this common thread. Some people are overwhelmed consistently, continually by their worry. Others have it like kind of waves that wash up against the soul of their, the, the shore of their soul just consistently. But all of us, come on, are knit together by this common thread. We all wrestle with worry. So the question isn't, do you wrestle with worry? The question really is, how do you process through that worry? And like I said before, it's imperative that we know how to wrestle, how to deal with, come on, how to navigate the waters of worry because worry improperly dealt with is damaging. It's damaging to our soul, it's damaging to our health, it's damaging to our joy, it's damaging to our optimism, it's going to be damaging to our relationships. So it's so important that we lean into the presence of God and listen closely, come on, to the words of Jesus when it comes to this issue of worry.
And so what I want to do in my last few moments with you is I want to just turn to a sermon that Jesus preached many years ago that resonates just as real today as it did 2,000 years ago when he boomed these words lovingly and authoritatively on that grassy knoll. So if you have your Bibles, would you go with me to the book of Matthew chapter 6? Matthew chapter 6 is found between Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 7. I've been to Bible college. I know stuff. And in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is preaching a sermon, and a part of this sermon addresses the issue of worry. And he says this in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry so much about your life, what you will eat or what you'll drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Or in other words, Jesus acknowledges, you know what, I know there are a lot of details connected to life. I know it feels like there's a variable here and a variable there and, 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 and potential trouble here and potential problems there. I know there are a lot of things that are going on at any given time in life, but don't allow these things to weigh down your life. D don't allow all of these things that Many are out of your control to control your joy, to control your sense of hope and expectation. You know what? You do well to look at the birds of the air. Do you know that for many people to call someone a bird brain would be a derogatory remark? But Jesus is saying here, you know what? The birds are onto something that a lot of you guys have missed. That they don't, they, don't, they don't sow and they don't reap and they don't store away in barns. No, it feels like every single bird lives for that day and is squeezing the most out of life because they understand that there is someone bigger than them that is looking after them. And that's exactly what's happening. Jesus says that even the smallest birds, the ones that are basically like sold two for a penny in the market, these relatively insignificant creatures are cared for personally by the God of this universe. And if God would care for a little bird, how much more does he care for you? Because that bird wasn't made in his image, but you were. That bird didn't cause the father to give his son so that it could live. No, but you were. He's saying, if God would take care of that itty-bitty bird, how much more, come on, will God take care of you? He goes on here in verse 27. And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Or in other words, he says, and worry is not only unproductive, it's destructive. It's crazy because somehow, intuitively, some, some of us think that if we worry about a particular issue long enough, the issue will get better. If we, if we pour over it, if we think over it, if we play it again and again in our heads, that some way it's going to help the situation. But he's saying, you know what? It doesn't help your situation. It just hurts your soul. 
It doesn't add to your life, it subtracts from your life. All the worry in the world, all the stress in the world, all the anxiety focused in a particular direction doesn't alleviate the pressure or the pain. It just compounds the pressure and the pain. All of this worry doesn't add an hour to your life. No, it robs you of your hours. One of the greatest ironies is that many of us spend our entire lives worrying about stuff. We never actually live the life that we have been given to live. He continues in verse 28 and he says, And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Or in other words, saying, you know what? And a lot of you guys are getting really worked up about stuff. Stuff stresses you out way too much. The clothes that you wear, the car that you drive, the suburb that you live in, the money in your bank, all of these things are nice, but none of these things should control your joy and your ability to live. He's saying, you guys like kind of, you, 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 you work so hard, you even borrow money you don't have to buy things that you don't need, to impress people you don't like, and, and, and here you are, stressed up, wound up, bound up by the pressures of life, all over something that is here today and gone tomorrow. Because I tell you right now, the best outfit, the sweetest pair of shoes, the nicest handbag, all of that pales in comparison to the beauty of even one lily in the field. You pull your Prada and you put it right next to a flower in the field and you see the, the beauty and the intricacy and the colors. The, the, it, that, uh, that which is basically overlooked as you walk in the fields, even that is more outstanding than this thing that you strive so hard to get. We have this totally blown out of proportion value system that robs us of our joy and steals our days. And then he says this in verse 31, So don't worry, saying, What shall we eat and what shall we drink and what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I love how Jesus brings a conclusion to this simple soliloquy, these beautiful strung together thoughts. And he says, say, so don't worry so much about the stuff that worries you. Whatever came to your mind when that preacher asked you, what do you worry about? Don't allow that to rob you of your joy. Don't allow your entire world to orbit around that sun. 
don't get so stressed about that stuff. You know why? Because that's the kind of stuff that the pagans run after. But pagans run, whereas the children of God rest. Your heavenly Father knows what you need, and He knows how to get it to you. And seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Or in other words, the life that He wants for you. And then all of these things, important as they are, will find their proper place. Get that one right first, everything else in life makes more sense. And don't worry about tomorrow, because guess what? You don't control it. But fear not, the one who does loves you. Just take care of the troubles you have today. Deal with what you can deal with. Leave in God's hands what you can't. Oh, beautiful. Pastoral and practical. What I'd love to do is just spend my last few moments with you looking at those last, last few verses like as, as practical application points things that we can literally do to help us with the worry that we all wrestle with in life. If you're a note taker, if you have a leather-bound journal, if you have a beautiful, if you have a, if you have a beautiful pen and you want to pull that out right now and just scribble down a few notes, you can do that. Uh, one of my preaching mentors always tells me that a blunt pencil is more effective than a sharp mind in remembering the things that God whispers to you about. And so I would love you to maybe like jot some of these things down. Hopefully it will be helpful. Or if you have an iPhone or an iPod or an iPad, you can pull that out and open up the Note app. Thank the Lord Jesus for Steve Jobs as you do so, because that's a wonderful piece of technology that you have right there. If you have like an Android or a BlackBerry or like one of those Samsung devices, you can put that away. I've got nothing for you from this point on in the sermon. You might as well just switch off and think about lunch. I just want to be like deeply helpful when it comes to dealing with worry. I'm going to give you three simple points. They all start with a letter R because I like, um, I like alliteration. I like that. I like the letter R. I like it. I like, everyone say R. Say, like, uh, say R like an Australian. R. <laughs> say R like an American. R. Say R like a Chinaman. Ah. <laughs> I taught you languages. They're going to start with the letter R. And these are all practical responses to worry. When worry starts to build in our heads, come on, when worry starts to buffet our hearts, when worry bears down in our mind, hey, we can turn to these words of Jesus, and I promise you they'll help. The first thing Jesus says here is to remember that you have a heavenly Father, and He loves you. Come on, remember you have a heavenly Father who loves you. I'll give you a bonus after that first point, so therefore you can rest. Remember you have a heavenly Father. Jesus says, look, if there was no God, or if you live like a pagan, and a pagan is basically somebody who's unsure about how the gods feel at any given time. 
One day the gods can be happy. One day the gods can be angry. One day the gods will want to bless you. The other day God will want to, like the gods will want to withhold from you. One day the gods have seen what you've done throughout the week and they're going to reward you. Another day God has seen, the gods have seen what you've done during the week and they're going to now punish you. If your life was at the mercy of, of flippant, changing, ever-evolving gods with little g's, then it'd be fair enough. It would be a reasonable proposition to live your life riddled by fear and insecurity. But guess what? Come on. Your life is not held by these kinds of gods with little g's. No, your, your life, come on, is held by a heavenly Father, come on, who loves you. He's saying that some people who worry and run around, hey, they run around because that's what pagans do. At any given time, they find themselves at the mercy of chance. But whereas pagans run, the children of God rest, knowing that there is a heavenly Father who sees them, who knows them, who loves them, who knows what they need and delights in supplying those very needs. And when you remember that, not only you smile, but you have a bounce in your step and confidence in your heart. Because when you remember that there is a heavenly Father who loves you, a heavenly Father who longs to take care of you, worry has no space to fester in our soul. A revelation of the proximity of the heavenly Father who loves you quells all fear. I'm going to tell you a story, and I promise you half of the people here in this room are going to begin to dislike me instantly as soon as you hear this story. But you understand, this story was required for sermon illustrative purposes. I need to test the theory that knowing that your father is close eradicates fear and worry. And the way that I tested this theory was, in my house, I have a hallway. And uh, basically between our living area and the children's bedroom is a large hallway and it's so long and there aren't enough lights in that hallway that if the lights are off, it goes very, very dark. And because of that, my kids um, throughout the years have never walked down that hallway really by themselves through the dark. They'll either walk with mum and dad through the dark or we have to turn the lights on. So, so I needed to test the theory. This was for sermon illustrative purposes only, all right? So this one evening, I have my little girl. We're walking, out to, we're walking down to her bedroom. And um, as we're halfway down the hallway with the lights on, I let go of her and I ran to the other side of the hallway and I switched off the lights to the point where it went pitch black. Sure enough, like clockwork, she began to cry. She was freaking out. So what I did in the dark, I grabbed hold of her and I held her tight. And guess what? She stopped crying. Now remember, this was sermon illustrative purposes only. After that, I let go again, took a step back and was really quiet. Guess what? She started crying again. So then I stepped in and I grabbed her and she stopped crying. After doing this six or seven times. Because to, to draw any scientific conclusion, you need a wide enough sample, people. It became evident. 
It's amazing. You can find yourself in the most perilous situation, but if you know that your father is near, it's amazing how worries have no space to fester, let alone grip your heart and rob your joy. And I want to let you know that, hey, money pressures are real. Relational issues are real. Fear for our family is real. Getting stressed about medical tests, hey, that's real. The future of this nation, even the future of this world, hey, all of that seems uncertain, and that uncertainty creates fear, and that's real. But in the midst of it all, Jesus makes it clear. There is still, come on, a heavenly Father who's well acquainted with your situation. He knows, come on, your needs, and He delights in supplying them. Hey, dealing with worry, first and foremost, is about remembering that Elvis may have left the building, but your heavenly Father hasn't. And He is still in your midst. The God who came here, come on, stayed near. And He knows what you need. And he's looking after you this very moment. After we remember that there is a heavenly father who is close to us, what we need to learn how to do is refocus, therefore, our attention on God first and foremost. He says here, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all of these things get added unto you. Or in other words, he's saying, so in the light of that, hey, Restore God into His rightful position as the first in your life. And then all these other issues in life will line up behind them. It's not like all of a sudden everything becomes easy and all of, all of the problems go away and all of the questions get answered. No, all of these things are still in play, but guess what? Everything lines up correctly then after you get God in His rightful position. Actually, worry is one of the symptoms that there is something out of whack or out of check or out of balance in your soul. It's kind of like, you know, when you have a friend of yours, maybe some of the men here in this room who work in an office, like kind of you got mates of yours and they come to you in the morning, they say good day with their morning coffee and you notice that they've done like the, the top button like incorrectly, kind of like it's, it's one off. And because of it, the whole shirt is like kind of out of whack and you don't know if you should say something or just keep your mouth shut because you don't want to like kind of create a social awkward situation where you're kind of saying, hey, bro, you don't know how to clothe yourself. But at the same time, you don't want your friend to go through the rest of the day knowing that his shirt is like kind of off kilter because he got the top button wrong. And basically he's saying this, worry is an indication that there is a button that has been done incorrectly in your soul and everything is now out of whack. And one of the ways to deal with worry, one of the primary things we must do is get that top button, seek God and His kingdom come on first. And when you get that right, then everything else will have a chance to fall in line in context behind that. I was speaking to someone last night at the Cheltenham campus and, and she was talking about how money stresses her out and she stressed out because years ago her family had a lot of money, then they lost a lot of money, they remade some money but not as much money as they used to have and now they have opportunities to make as much money as they used to have but because she missed out on opportunity in the last 48 hours, now she's riddled with regret. 
And I just made like a really simple observation. I said, hey, sweetheart, it sounds to me like money plays a big role in you feeling joy-filled, joyful, and that you're living your life like it was meant to be lived. Is that correct? And she said, yes. Now, there's nothing wrong with money. We all need money. We need money to buy food and to put petrol in our cars and to keep a roof over our heads. We all need money. But if you allow money to be the primary thing, come on, the thing that you seek first, seek first money and everything that it does, when you put that money in that place, then your life and your joy and your peace all hinges on the making of that money or the losing of that money. You got money, you smiling. You don't have that money, you frowning. And that's the reason God says, hey, you know what? Yes, you need money in life, but don't allow money to be, come on, the first thing that you seek. Put God in His rightful position, and then money makes sense. All of a sudden, money isn't something that controls your life. Money is something entrusted to you, controlled by you, come on, for the glory of God. All of a sudden, your joy isn't linked to the money that you have. No, your joy is linked to God being first in your life and the relationship you have with Him by faith and through grace. Come on, all of a sudden, everything changes. Come on, allow this to be some chiropractic for your soul this morning. That maybe one of the reasons we worry so much is because we've allowed something that was never meant to be first and foremost in our life, it somehow has crept into that position. And here Jesus says, you know, first remember that you are a child of God and you're loved by a heavenly Father who knows what you need and He delights in supplying your needs. There are some people here in this room who've had a great, a great experience with a father. There are some people here in this room who've had horrible experiences with their dad. But I've got to let you know, no matter what your experience has been up to this point, it pales in comparison to the experience of one who comes into contact with a heavenly loving father. Who is perfect. Who knows what you need and delights in supplying those needs And as you remember that, come on, replace him, refocus him into that rightful position. Because when you seek God first, it feels like everything lines up behind that. Health stuff makes more sense. Family stuff makes more sense. Come on, business stuff makes more sense. Even global shifts and and, and things that seem outside of our... Everything makes more sense when you put God back in His rightful position. And thirdly and lastly, He says this. So you remember that you have a heavenly Father who knows what you need. And then you, then, then, then you refocus your attention on Him. Re- restore Him into His rightful position. The third thing He says here is, you know what? And then respond productively. In the, light of your, in the light of your worries, in the light of your anxiety, in the light of the things that cause you stress, hey, respond productively. Because he says here in verse 34, so therefore, let tomorrow stress about tomorrow. In other words, what you don't have control over, leave that in the hands of God. But deal with the worries that you have today. Because he says this, because today has enough trouble of its own. Or in other words, he's saying, hey, there's trouble today. Deal with that. If there is some power you have over a situation, exercise it. If there are some changes that you can make, make them. 
If there are some decisions that you can take, take them. Take responsibility of what you can change today, but leave in God's hands what you have no control over. My pastor always tells me, hey, what you can change, change. When you can't, pray. The the two dominant philosophical schools of thought 2,000 years ago when Jesus first taught this message were Epicurean and Stoic. Those Those are the two prevalent, predominant um, ways of thinking. Epicurean thinking said this, that, that life is challenging, life is different, difficult, there's a lot of worries, so don't worry about that stuff, just party as hard as you can. And if you party hard enough, then maybe you'll anesthetize yourself from all the pain in this world. So live and eat and drink. And There's some people smiling at me saying, hey, that's my game plan right now. And I'm just, just YOLO, just, just, drink, just drink and party all the pain away. That's what the Epicurean said. On the, other, on the other side were the Stoics, and the Stoics said this, that God is there, but he's basically disconnected. Life was meant to be difficult, so embrace all the difficultness and just kind of smile because, you know, life was meant to be horrible. That's the Stoics. What will be, will be. It's funny how, in many ways, people in society today kind of respond in a, in a similar way. We either try to kind of drink or drink away or anesthetize our problems by doing things and just basically live a hedonistic lifestyle, or the other side saying, hey, it's all horrible, it's all terrible, and, and basically I don't want to have any joy because I'm just going to be let down. Jesus says, no, neither of these schools of thought are the way, come on, that you're meant to approach this situation. No. As children of God, we do it differently. We say, you know what? There are things today that we can do, so we're going to do it. There are some changes we can make, we're going to make them. And if there's any control that we can exercise, we'll exercise control right now to alleviate stressful issues in our life. Even yesterday when I was at the gym, I had a friend of mine I hadn't seen for ages. He's, a, he's, he's actually a young businessman. And um, he rolled into the gym and I said, hey, like, bro, I haven't seen you for like six months. Where have you been? And, and I, I, I'm not judging, but he looked quite tired and disheveled. And uh, he's saying, man, I've been working so hard. And um, I've had to start another business, and it's just taking up all of my time, and I haven't been able to get into the gym, and I'm like, okay, wow. And, and then, so, so you, know, you know, tell me more about, you know, the last couple of months. And basically, um, he, he smiled and then took me outside into the car park, and he showed me um, this Ferrari that he bought. He said, I spent, spent 499000 like I'm, I'm guessing it was like a mil, like half a mil, and he kind of like kind of, you know, like wiggled a thousand out of the deal. I don't know how he got it, but it was four hundred ninety nine. And basically, because he has this car now, it's put his entire life under incredible stress to now literally pay for this car. And now he his health is being affected. Definitely, his joy is being affected. Definitely, his life is being affected because. And so I'm seeing here very clearly. Hey, there is a decision that you can make. Maybe don't own a car that's worth as much as an average house here. Maybe there's a decision you can make practically that can alleviate, come on, pressure in this area of your life. And Jesus is basically saying, hey, there are some decisions that you can make financially. You cannot stretch yourself so much. Hey, there's some decisions you can make relationally. Maybe a conversation you have to have, a letter you have to write, some forgiveness you have to offer. Hey, you can make some decisions from a physical health point of view. You know, there's some things that you can do more of. There are some things you can maybe 
eat less of. And, you know, and there are some things that we can practically do, come on, that can alleviate pressure and stress in our life. But at the same time, there are some things that are outside of your control. And when there are things outside of your control, let tomorrow, come on, worry about tomorrow. Leave that in God's hands. And I can see you asking that question. What does that mean, Dan? Well, I'm glad you asked. I love the way the Apostle Paul talks about this in the book of Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. The Apostle Paul, too, was talking about worry. And he was just talking about worry that was outside of our control. Stuff that was outside of our control that was causing anxiety in our hearts. And so he says this, hey, don't, don't get anxious about anything. Don't get worried about stuff that's outside of your control. But in everything, everything, through prayer, through petition, and thanksgiving, come on, bring that stuff to God. And then the peace of God that goes beyond your human logic, reason, understanding, the peace of God guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Or in other words, come on, if there's something you can do, do it. If there's a change you can make, make it. If there's a decision you can take, take it. If there's some wisdom you can exercise, exercise it. What you have control over to alleviate your stress, exercise that control. But what is outside of your control, leave it with God. Pray. Praying is just talking. You know there are some people in your life that when you're stressed out, you talk to them, kind of all of a sudden you're not as stressed out anymore. I know for me, if I'm ever stressed about anything, if I can get to my wife and just hear her voice, and there are some times where she'll calm me down by saying, there, there. Other times, she'll lovingly call me an idiot. But basically, both times, my heart always feels more confident after hearing her voice. God's saying, you know what? Talk to me. When you talk to me, it's amazing how fear dissipates and disappears. Hey, with petition, or in other words, ask me for things. I'm a loving father, and I, just, I delight in giving to my kids who ask. Uh, when you knit together your need and God's supply, when you knit together your faith and God's love, when you pull those things together, come on, amazing, miraculous things happen. Petition God. Ask Him about stuff that's outside of your control. But make sure you do it with thanksgiving. Make sure as you talk to God, you're always letting it be laced with gratitude. Because gratitude is good for your soul. You can't worry and be grateful at the same time. The practice of one will always result in the death of the other. If you're worrying and worrying and worrying, you'll forget all the good things that God has done in your life up to this point. But if you are grateful, come on, if you exercise the discipline of gratitude consistently in your life, as you are thankful to God, it's impossible for worry to fester. Because gratitude reminds you that God has been faithful in the past. He's faithful right now. Come on. And He'll be faithful going into the future. So we're saying, you know what? If you have no control over some stuff, it's all good, baby. Bring it to God. Talk to Him about it. Ask Him questions about Him. But make sure you're grateful about everything that He's done up to this point. And then what happens is the peace of God that transcends understanding, or in other words, everyone in your world is going to go, I don't know how you're dealing with this. I don't know how you're kind of holding this all in tension. I don't know how you're going forward, but you are. The peace of God that transcends human understanding guards your heart. It protects your heart. It gives you peace. And who does the protection and the provision of that peace? Come on, it's Jesus. Come on, smile. That's really good news. What a beautiful offer. Hey, what you can change, 
by the grace of God and His strength, change it. But what is outside of your control, trust it. If you can do something, do it. With everything else, pray. Petition God with thanksgiving. And then peace, come on, guards your heart. Amen? So in the most practical and simple way here this morning, I contend. We are all knit together by this common thread. Worry is not the domain of people who don't deal well with life, who are somehow lacking strength or in some way weak. No, no, no. Worry is something that everyone here in this room, in some way, shape, or form, will deal with, come on, consistently in their journey. The question isn't, do you worry? The question is, how do you deal with it? And Jesus says lovingly, hey, remember, in the midst of those worries, you have a heavenly dad who knows what you need. Come on, he's acquainted with your situation. And not only is he acquainted with your situation, he says, put me first and things make more sense. When that's out of whack, everything seems crazy. Because if you make money, your power, your position, that success, that business, even that relationship, if you put that in the position that God was meant to be in, of course your life is going to feel imbalanced and unstable. But you put, come on, God in his rightful position. And then everything from that point on makes so much more sense. And then you get to respond productively. Hey, what you can deal with today, deal with it. What you can't, leave it. And then the peace of God, amen, that transcends understanding, guards your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I speak this over your life here this week, that worries are going to be decreasing, come on, as faith is going to be increasing, come on, that, that your sense of dread is going to be disappearing, come on, as your sense of joy is going to start emanating, come on, I speak this out over your life, as, as anxiety disappears, I just believe that confidence and security is going to appear beautifully in your hearts and in your minds. Come on, the peace of God that transcends understanding will guard your hearts. Amen? So as we bring this to a close and, and uh, um, the keyboard ninja has slipped into a position and it's going to begin to play some calming minor chords that make us all feel emotive and responsive like Jesus stepped into the room mm. okay can you stop, stop for a second seems like Jesus left again I'm messing around <laughs> he's stopped like again can I do something really cool he did, just in this room right now can I pray with someone here in this room who walked in here with some worry and I'm going to believe for a breakthrough or for a healing and for like a, a miracle. And yeah, we, can, we can believe for that stuff. But before that, can I just believe with you that you're going to leave this place with the greatest sense that you have a heavenly father who's acquainted with your needs. 
come on, who is acquainted with your situation. And could I just pray that you would have the greatest sense that as you put him first, everything else makes so much more sense. And could I pray that, that you'd have the power and the ability by his spirit to respond productively to worry instead of anesthetizing yourself from it and running away from it or just accepting it and considering it as your lot in life to actually productively go, hey, you know what? What I can change, I'll change. But what I can't, I leave in his hands. Come on, could I pray with you here this morning and believe that something real is gonna happen. Come on, coming out of this gathering here today, amen? So with every eye closed and every head bowed and no one looking around, if that's you and you walked in here this morning, even right now, you know that you wrestle with this worry. Could you allow me to pray with you and for you? The Bible says where two or three are gathered, not only is he there, but when they agree on something, something shifts, something changes. And I would just love to be that one person connecting with you, making two, I'm Asian, I'm great at mathematics, and just to pray about it and believe something's gonna happen. So that's you, and you've brought worry into this room. Would you just lift your hand where you are, just so I know who I'm praying with? Come all over this room, lift your, lift your hand now. Come if that's you, come on. Hey, Jesus, these hands are lifted, and you tell us in, your, in, the, in the Bible that you oppose the proud but give grace to the humble. And right now, these hands are lifted humbly, saying that I need you. And right now, we knit together in faith and say, God, bring about a resolution, a breakthrough, a miracle, a provision for them. Do that. But before that, God, help them by your Spirit know that their Heavenly Father is acquainted with their situation. There isn't a thing that goes on. There isn't a bird that tweets or a lily that grows that is overlooked by you. And right now, we are not overlooked by you. We are seen by you. We are heard by you. We are felt by you, God, and you are acquainted with our situations. And God, we pray that as we refocus our attention on you, restore you in your rightful position as first, I just speak this out in faith that everything else will make more sense. Money stuff, business stuff, relationship stuff, health stuff, security, safety stuff, our future. Everything makes more sense when you and your reality are first and foremost in our heads and our hearts. And help us by your Spirit to do what we can do, to respond when we can respond, to make a decision when we can make it, and to leave the rest with you. As we chat to you this week, as we ask you about things this week, as we give thanks to you this week, I thank you, God, that you will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.